Another day, another dollar here in post-pandemic America. And uh, we've got the live stream going over on talk, over on TikTok. And so we'll take live comments and questions that come in as we're recording this. And the big story of the day that many media outlets still are not covering in depth, although CNN has caught up somewhat. Big story that the wildfire smoke is back. Unlike a few weeks ago, it doesn't seem to be orange. It seems to be more of a hazy gray, hazy white in coloration. But uh, it's causing a lot of health problems for people. And we're seeing it in Twitter search as well as uh, on TikTok. Just really substantial issues that people in Virginia and the New York area are experiencing. And uh, so apparently benzene and formaldehyde is in the smoke. Uh, benzene is a carcinogen and formaldehyde isn't great for you either. If you take it in, if you take it in through your lungs, if you inhale it, not great for you. And apparently both those compounds are in this wave of wildfire smoke. And a number of people online are angry and confused that there hasn't been more guidance from health authorities or really anybody. And we have this, you know, slew of commenters now who say, oh, it was in the air quality alert index. People could have checked the AQI index and stayed inside or put on, you know, a, a gas mask or something. And it's like, okay, well, normal people don't check the AQI of their town or city on a regular basis. That's just not something that average normies do. Maybe people who are conspiratorial and doomsday preppers, maybe they check the air quality index in their town on an hourly basis. But here in America, we assume the air is not gonna contain powerful insta carcinogens, right? Uh, where this benzene is cancerous, even at, a very, even at a very low quantity, as somebody's saying in the comments. Cancer is as low as four parts per billion. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but it is known to be highly cancerous, highly carcinogenic. And so to have it in the air that people are breathing, and then to have the media weirdly not really cover it at all, aside from, again, some fairly tame coverage on CNN. This seems really bad. I personally have hip pain. I didn't realize that going for a walk on Thursday was going to cause me to inhale all this stuff. So I've got some hip pain and my eyes were watering, which I attributed to like, uh, like a moisturizer I was putting on my face. But now in retrospect, it definitely was something else because I usually don't get burning eyes from the moisturizer I use. Uh, and so again, just so many people with videos on TikTok and tweets on Twitter reporting health problems in the Virginia and New York area and uh, in Pennsylvania as well. And what's interesting about this is this is like, this is the administrative breadbasket of the country, the East Coast, right? This is the command and control center, basically. So for all these bureaucrats and all these executives at banks and stuff to be inhaling air that is seemingly poisonous and to be experiencing these health problems just hours later, uh, it's gotta eventually bubble to the surface. Eventually this is gonna get a lot of media coverage because there are a lot of unhappy people who again have been exposed to something that they were not fully warned about. You know, Here somebody says in the comments that she couldn't breathe for two days, her heart was palpitating, better today. And this is a person who's already chronically ill 
And they do say that the people who already have illnesses and pre-existing conditions and stuff, they're at increased risk of all the stuff that's in the air at the moment. Yeah, benzene is bad news. You should just read up on it, do a couple of Google searches. Um, but yeah, it's surprising to me that many others in the media are sidestepping this when it seems like a national emergency. And uh, not, not jokingly, I said the other day, this is the worst air quality the New York area has had since 9-11. It's totally true. Since the 9-11 uh, disaster, Air quality has not been that bad until now. And people were not properly warned about that in the D.C. and New York metro area. And again, people even in Pennsylvania and Ohio and West Virginia experiencing uh, this, claiming they're having health problems. So where's the government and where's the media? And uh, welcome, everybody, everybody on the TikTok live stream. Uh, so the other thing is we're in the midst of this crypto rally as of minutes ago, one Litecoin up past the $111, 111 US dollars for one Litecoin. And that's been one of the cryptos that we've talked about extensively over the last year, year and a half. And it's also in my books. You know, I'm, I'm hopeful, hopeful that with this crypto rally, that people will circle back to our content and realize that. We've been talking about things that are only now entering the kind of mainstream. And we talked about it several years ago. And we've been consistent at a time when many other people have been squirrely and self-contradictory. We've been surprisingly consistent. And so compared to the Substack newsletter and even the, the premium newsletter on our own site, these books have not been as much of a success for whatever reason. I thought there would be this effortless funnel or this effortless transition between the thousands of people who consume our content, between the, the podcast and the TikToks and the website traffic. I thought giving all this free content without a paywall will eventually cause a certain percentage of those people right, to fall down our funnel, so to speak, and land on these pile of books that if people like our short form content They'll go, oh, they've got books out that go into all these topics in depth with specific data and research. I thought this would be an easy sell, but it hasn't been. I think asking people to add an Amazon book to their shopping cart on Amazon, for whatever reason, it's it's more of a, of a step. Uh, it's more of a process than I thought it would be. I thought since everybody has an Amazon account saying, hey, read this year's book. And coming out with a new research book every year, uh, which we've been doing now since, what, 2018. I thought there'd be a kind of snowball or a kind of momentum effect. And it just has not really occurred. Again, we get good reviews over there and stuff. So I'm hopeful now that we're in the midst of a crypto rally after a two-year bear market. Hellacious two-year bear market. Uh, Um, I'm, I'm very hopeful now, people circling back to all this. And like I was saying in one of the videos, during a crypto rally, it's not shovels and pickaxes and Levi Strauss jeans that everybody clamors for, right? Because it's all digital mining. 
You don't need jeans. You don't need the pickaxe. You don't need a little light you can wear on your your miner's hat, right? It's all just warehouses of graphics cards mining the latest cryptos or mining for Bitcoin. Uh, and so what people flock toward is information, information and analysis and a worldview that they can either get behind or at least bounce their own concepts off of that other person's view of the world. And so thought leadership is actually what's called for when there's a crypto rally, because these are peer-to-peer -peer currencies. It's P2P money. So it's only worth what us as users, what we think it's worth. It's not dictated by a government. It's not set in stone by some other authority. It's literally what the market is willing to pay for it. And during these times where suddenly a lot of people are interested in crypto again, it's good to read other people's views on it. And I've been very honest about why I own a little bit of Bitcoin and Litecoin and uh, still own some Ethereum. I've been very honest about my views on why these things could take over the world. They may not. It may just be, you know, something that, that has its moment and then passes. But I totally see an outcome where it can gobble up the whole world. And with BlackRock and Fidelity both filing that aggressive spot Bitcoin ETF, both filing that pretty aggressively, uh, you see that some of the biggest financial institutions in the West, if not the whole planet, are now developing a Bitcoin strategy. And so again, it's beautiful to see people circling back to our content. Certainly the Substack, uh, the newsletter has seen a surge in people signing up. And I don't give advice. You're not going to find like market timing in these books. You're not going to find market timing because for me, any time to learn about peer-to-peer -peer money is a good time. You know, I feel like a Jehovah's Witness or something. Like, I just want to be letting the door. <laughs> I just want to be letting the door to tell you the, the good word. Uh, and so in that sense, anytime, Bitcoin at 60,000, Bitcoin at 15,000, it makes little difference to me as long as people are using it and learning about it. It's that important. It's like we live in an exciting time where something extraordinary has been invented and nobody's managed to really uh, disable it disable it or deprive people of it. Even China warming up to crypto again now after a two-year ban. Uh, Hong Kong allowing individual investors and starting to encourage banks to provide services to legit crypto services, to legit crypto businesses over there. So we're seeing it. We're seeing the real possibility here that when we get hit with a wave of inflation, uh, people are just going to scramble for the, the life rafts, like rats jumping off of a pirate ship. And the life rafts are those, those Bitcoin ATMs that have unannounced popped up in seemingly every mall and convenience store on the East Coast. You know, that to me is, is some kind of leading indicator because these convenience store companies are so focused on their revenue per square foot that to put a Bitcoin ATM in there, front and center. And even all the Bitcoin ATMs that you see in like smoke shops and tobacco and uh, CBD shops, almost every single one of them has a Bitcoin ATM. And that, again, that level of real world presence would not be tolerated unless someone somewhere is thinking there's a moment where Joe Average is gonna wanna pile into crypto and is literally just gonna throw his money, throw his money at any machine that offers him quick access to crypto. 
And so those machines are out there and I don't see anybody really using them yet. But to see them in so many places throughout my day, not that I spend all day in smoke shops and stuff, but again, point is they're everywhere. These ATMs, unannounced, unadvertised, are most likely in your town or city now. And so, you know, there's there's a storm coming, Master Wayne, as Catwoman whispered to uh, whispered to Bruce Wayne, right? There's a storm coming. This will not go away. Just as email didn't go away. Just as the internet itself didn't go away. In fact, it changed everything. I think we're in much the same ground today. And it's, at this point, not a fad, right? Because something that's 14 or 15 years old is simply not a fad, but is instead a technology that has survived. Uh, Annabelle says she has three around her, three Bitcoin ATMs at gas stations, and she's in the country. Yeah, exactly. This thing has hit some kind of saturation point that nobody's focused on, yet it's there. It's out there. And so I'm going to leave this one there, but if you can stay inside the next couple days, if you're on the East Coast in an area affected by these wildfires, if you can stay inside, try to do that, because this is bad news. Nobody's trying to take away your civil rights here and say you can't go outside. Rather, this is bad news, and they're not covering it properly, and we're seeing a groundswell of anger and people with weird health problems. And again, these are the people who run the country. These are the bureaucrats and the executives and the middle management that literally run the country. And if they've all been inhaling, if they've all been inhaling air that has poisonous stuff in it, we're gonna hear a lot about it in the weeks ahead, I'm sure. And we're just, we're at the leading edge here and saying, look, people are talking about this. I don't feel well myself. I don't feel great. And it needs more coverage than it's been getting. So thank you guys so much. Have a good rest of your weekend. And again, get the newsletter, get the books, get all the things. We're back in crypto country, back in rally town. You're headed to Goblin Town. You're headed down a sad path potentially. And then BlackRock kind of changed the whole narrative. Wait, what? The world's largest asset manager has filed for a spot Bitcoin ETF. And their guy, Larry Fink, says that this could be a global market. I mean, he's talking the talk. This Larry Fink, head of BlackRock, he is talking the talk. And same with some of the executives at Fidelity. So let's see if they can actually deliver. Thank you guys so much.